Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. Tonight, I am on via Zoom because we are just way too busy to even find our way to the office together at any time. Zoom with Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm not awful. <laughs> that's good. So I guess that's okay. Good start. It's a good start. It's a good way to start off the week. I am not awful. That's good. Well, you know, we like ran out of podcasts. We're just, we're just busy with surgery and your you know, show and I was is, on vacation. And- you were on vacation for a very, very long time to like an obscene amount of time, I might say. But like, this is the first time in two years that we have not put out a podcast on time as scheduled on a weekly basis. Like we're behind by like three or four days. And that's the first time that's happened because this is the first, not the first time, but for some reason we just couldn't get our stars to align schedule wise. Again, you were on an obscenely long vacation. (laughs) And I do seem to remember the last time that we got together to podcast that there was a, I can only do one tonight. Oh, that was my fault. Yes. (laughs) I do remember that. So we were supposed to do two so that we would be up to stuff. Yes, and I did say I only can do one. I know. Yeah. Shame on me. No, I mean, Busy. You know, you're you are cranking. I mean, you've got all kinds of irons in the fire. And you know, good for you. That's the way it should be. That's that's the whole point is to really max out the career time and you know, I'm like I'm I'm finished. I'm like a bridge <laughs> over here. It's done. Like stick a fork in me. It's you know. I think that our drinks of choice tonight say it all. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Where we are on our stages of life. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too. I was talking to one of my friends at the gym today, who's who's a great guy. He has a, uh, oh, he does like apparel and stuff, and uh, he's going to help us out with some stuff for this podcast. His company is called Ninja Stitch, as a matter of fact, and um, he's like, well, you know. He's like, I have friends who are plastic surgeons and and he's younger than me. And he's like, they work constantly. They're this and that, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they're constantly operating, injecting Botox and doing. And I said, yeah, well, you know, you have to do that initially. That's kind of the deal. And then you get to the point where you're just like, uh, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, Nope. Nope. I'm not going to do that either. I'm not doing that. (laughs) And you get down to pretty much five operations per plastic surgeon. And that's really the deal. That you do very, very well. Absolutely. You do them well. You love doing them, which, and that's where I am. I think I have five operations that I am just like, I, I love them. They're, it's fun. And, uh, and my patients get great results and anything else. I'm just like, eh, yeah, not for me. Not interesting. You know, I'm definitely in the, let's do everything stage of my career. <laughs> you have to be. You have to be. You got to do it. Right. I mean, you yeah. can't like be like super choosy and selective right off the bat. Like you got to no. like, you know, do everything and get really good at everything and then decide what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's uh that, that is the, I, and I think we're probably what 15 years difference or so. So yeah. that, that is the difference in, you know, career time. Cause you've, you're now out what five, six years. Yeah. So you're like a legit in practice, been there, done that plastic surgeon. And I'm like, I ain't doing that plastic <laughs> Like I'll do your facelift. I'll do your whatever with your nose. I'll do your breasts. I can do some tummy tucks and some lipo. And after that, 
you're going to need to talk to somebody else. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's okay. But that's why today we're going to talk about something that is a really difficult problem. And I don't think people really know how to handle it. It's nostril retraction. And so exciting. I, mean, I know. I, I knew you're so pumped for this. For this podcast for like weeks. I know. I know. <laughs> what are we doing right nostril retraction? Please. When are we doing it? It's the night that I'm super tired. That'd be awesome. Here it is. <laughs> nostril retraction. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it fun for you. I okay. promise. All right. <laughs> So there's a couple of reasons, not a couple, but there's a lot of reasons why nostril retraction occurs. And the way that it presents is people get a rhinoplasty of some kind or they get old. Those are the two things that cause this the most frequently. Some people have it like congenitally. They just have like retracted nostrils that look peaked. They have like a little angle to them. But after a rhinoplasty where there was a cephalic resection of the lateral cura, in other words, the top portion of the uh, cartilage on the uh, lower part of the nose was taken out, it tends to scar and it pulls the nostril rim up and it looks peaked. It looks like there's a fold in the nostril. It doesn't look good. And you can get pinching as well where the, the sidewall collapses in. All those things happen from rhinoplasty. They also happen from age as Val Lambros has showed in his long-term studies where he just follows noses. The nostril tends to come up and it caves in. Mm. So how do you treat that? Well, what's happened is for either reason, the lining inside the nose has gotten short. And so the real basic reason to that it happens is you, you've lost that mucosal domain. You've lost the lining. And so replacing it is the key. Now, there's a couple of ways to replace it. You can first release it surgically cut it. You can do that internally. You can also release it at the mucosal level where you actually cut the mucosa, open it wide, and then put some type of graft in there. Typically it's a composite graft, which is ear, skin, and cartilage. And that's the most common way to treat nostril retraction in my book is to use what's called a composite graft. And again, a composite graft is when you take skin and cartilage from the ear And so you have to make an incision like in the bowl of the ear. So you can see these cuts, they leave a scar. I tend to hide them way up high under one of the folds of the ear. But adding that cartilage with skin adds lining to the inside of the nose and then pushes the nostril rim down, thus handling the nostril retraction. But you would only do that in isolation, usually for a patient that's already had a rhinoplasty. If you have an elderly patient coming in with isolated nostril retraction, you probably do more of a rhinoplasty with one of these composite grafts. I mean, would you ever just treat a primary patient with a composite graft for nostril retraction? Not really. Um, yeah. It's typically post-op of, from a rhinoplasty. It's a secondary situation, but cleft noses, I would. There are cleft noses where I would definitely do that. But that would be a secondary rhinoplasty, usually. Usually. um, You know, we kind of talked about that today in the OR a bit. Should you at the primary nasal repair add a composite graft? Because one of the craniofacial guys was kind of like, well, we cut all, make all these cuts inside the nostrils on these cleft kids, and then we leave it open like it's going to heal over. He goes, but they always wind up retracted again. I was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's it. missing tissue. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to like, especially in a cleft situation, like they're already missing tissue. It's already abnormal. So, you know, you have to, you have to add that tissue in. So I think that composite graphs are, are underrated, underutilized and just not well known. You know, it's uh, so yeah, that's the deal. Nostril retraction is a problem where you're short of tissue the way to treat it is to add tissue, but there's a second part of it too. You also have to support the nostril or the upper lateral cartilage because just because you put in a composite graft doesn't mean it's going to solve the problem. You also have to have support for the tip and support for the middle vault. And if those things are absent or missing, you're still going to wind up with more retraction. So basically, if you have problems with your nostrils, come see you. That's, that's the take are, are you not jumping in there. on that one? You're like, uh, I'm out. No, thank you. That sounds really hard. <laughs> you know, I was listening to you there for a second, Dr. Calvert, and it sounds really hard. Really hard. <laughs> no, but it is it is a problem for patients, especially once they've already had a rhinoplasty, and you know, maybe everything else about their rhinoplasty is great, or maybe it's not, but that's the one thing that they really notice, especially when they look at themselves, you know, to the side and look up at them mirror. That's what they see. And to be fair, when you're looking at, you know, an an elderly person or someone who's aging, that nostril retraction is very, uh, almost indicative of a, of an older aging nose. It kind of gives you that, that Crohn's nose look that like pinched nose and that angry look and you're not, (laughs) so your nose is just retracted. Yep. Um, (laughs) You might be delightful, but you kind of are getting that Crohn like, which look because your nostrils are retracting. So yes, it's one of the things that can get that contributes to resting bitch face. Resting bitch face is a problem. Yeah, it is. And nostril retraction can take, if you get a bad nose job, it makes you look mean. makes you look mad. Yeah, it definitely does. So let's not have that. We want, we want happy noses. We want happy resting faces. (laughs) Resting happy face. Is that that a thing? I don't know. We're about to do a Botox podcast coming up. So yeah. <laughs> we'll talk tuned. about how we can make you a resting happy face. I remember one of my patients came in to me and he said, and I cracked up because he was like, he's like, I need to talk to you. I was like, about what? He's like, he goes, you know, I know this is typically for girls, but he goes, I, I definitely have resting bitch face. Yeah. I was like, do you really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I just look mean. Like sit, like when I'm sitting in my office, people are like, what are you so angry about? He's like, I'm not angry. So you just look angry. I was like, you know, that, that says a lot about our society that it's only women that can get resting bitch face when the anatomy of what's happening happens to both men and women. It, like it totally the, does. The frown lines between the eyebrows, the drooping skin, which brings your mouth down. These things happen to men too, but nobody goes around telling dudes that they have resting bitch face. <laughs> no, they don't. And, and, and by the way, dudes do have it for sure. Yeah, but nobody cares. Yeah, it's true. They're just like, well, he's yeah. a grumpy old man. Yeah, but if it's a female, they're like, smile, honey. <laughs> Come here, let me slap I'll you. I'll tell you How what to do with your smile. Yeah. That's right. I got a smile for you. <laughs> Check this one out. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is a, uh, it's a thing. So the no- nostril retraction is a, is a sign of an aging nose. Um, one other piece to this puzzle, though, that before we, we, we end on this, you know, incredibly exciting technical podcast that I, I, I wanted to do, obviously, (laughs) 
Because I love nostril retraction. It's, I, know I can actually do. fix it. It's so cute. You're really excited about it. <laughs> I am. And, and it is fixable people, but you know, I like I had, so today I had probably five observers in the operating room, you know, and I had the screen up and everything like we do. So we can have like, you know, we don't, we don't have like a overhead gallery anymore. Like oh they gosh, used to at the university of Pittsburgh. We're building a new OR. We should put an amphitheater in it. We should. Even just a little tiny balcony that you can like look down. Definitely. <laughs> like, like in uh, Seinfeld when he dropped the, the junior mint into the abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> they are refreshing. Um, but that, so we're all sitting there and, and you know, I was like, I'm going to take this composite graft. And literally everybody was like, I've never seen one of these. I was like, Oh wow. How have you never seen a composite graft? Oh, you know, we, well, we talk about them for, you know, clefts and blah, 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 but I've never seen one taken. I was like, get the video camera. Here we go. You know? And so I video the whole thing about how I do it, you know, and it's, you know, it's not, look, nothing I do is, is typically, you know, we're hard, but there's always nuance to getting it right. Right. I mean, like when you yeah. watch me do a rhinoplasty, you're like, Oh, that looks really easy. Yeah. You know? And then you try and do it yourself and you're like, hold <laughs> what on. The? Wait, Wait a second. <laughs> huh? What would Jay do next? Wait, <laughs> why doesn't Wait this look right? <laughs> exactly. And I, and I tell people that too. I said, look, and I, and I don't say it like, like a arrogant douchebag. I say it like, like, look, you're going to watch me do this operation and you're going to say, well, that's really easy. I'm going to go home and do that. And I said, and you can't do that. I said, the reason that, that it looks easy is because I've done 5,000 of these things. Right. Okay. And the other part of it is, is that I have a very clear cut path to success. When I, when I do rhinoplasty, I walk in the operating room, like the operations already been done six times in my head on paper, in my notes there's no mystery of what's going to happen in the operating room when I'm doing these operations. The the only question is how's this patient going to heal it? But my plans are solid, they're clear, and I stick to them. So, you know, composite graft is something like when I decide I'm doing one, I go in and I do it. And it's not like a, oh, well, do you think we need it or whatever? No, I've already decided, you know, I've done a test. I use a Q-tip, I put it in the nostril, I tug down put the Q-tip inside the nostril, my thumb on the outside, I tug down and I see how much excursion there is on that nostril rim. If it's less than three millimeters, I'm using a composite graft. Very end of story. That, that's just how it goes. Excursion so, is a fancy word for movement. People. Excursion is, yeah, like how far does it move out? I, I use fancy terms, sorry. I know, you're fancy pants. I am. <laughs> you know, I do have some fancy pants, as a matter of fact, <laughs> just FYI. Um, but that that's the thing. It's like, you know, there, there's a very clear cut path to success. So it's going to look easy because I've already planned it out and you're not going to see me sweat and struggle in the operating room because that's not what I do. I, I execute a plan that should get the result that we're looking for. And does it work every time? Absolutely not. Am I completely <laughs> human and a surgeon like everybody else? hundred percent. But you know, in general, when I'm doing these things, it's not like, oh my God, this is really hard. It's not. Um, but there's, there's technical nuance to everything we do. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, a thousand percent. Absolutely. Like that That's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. It's why I have a hard time letting, uh, fellows or residents or mid-levels do the opposite side of a breast for me. No, because even though I've drawn the lines and there, there's kind of a, a pattern as to what needs to happen, 
I have the right to like adjust those as I'm going along to make things come together, look better, you know, as things pull and tension and here and there. And, and if I don't do it, it doesn't happen. So. Right. Because those lines are drawn for you. Yeah. Those lines are for you. You made them so that you know what you need and that that's the reality. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't turn over the key portions of any case to anybody because it has to be awesome. And you and I know that that's just how it goes. It's kind of the deal. Yeah. It's kind of the deal. Well, anyway, I think that's enough about nostril retraction. I think we've, we've kind of whipped this one pretty good. Um, for more about it, obviously you can go to my website, but um, it's one of those. And also I would refer you to the nostril asymmetry podcast, which is always a favorite crowd favorite. Oh yeah. You know, who loves that? Hmm. Our body dysmorphic disorder patients who've had revision rhinoplasty. They love that podcast. <laughs> just, it makes them just go, oh, that's not me. Yeah, because I don't think they actually love it. <laughs> no, they don't. That's very sarcastic. They, it, it's, it, listen to our BDD podcast, that, which turns out to be pretty popular. And a lot of the plastic surgeons are saying you needed to do that podcast. Yeah. It's an important topic. Body dysmorphia is real and you know, it, it, it causes a lot of issues for patients and, and in, in all seriousness, I mean, nostril asymmetry is one of the biggest issues in, in revision rhinoplasty and, you know, taking care of these things, it's really important. If you can make people more comfortable with the way that their nostrils look, because by the way, nobody else looks at their nostrils, literally nobody, literally no one else on earth is thinking about whether or not your nostrils are symmetric. I have news for you. No, They're, I'm a like, plastic surgeon. And I look at faces all day and very rarely do I ever look at someone's nostrils. Do you like ever, ever go like, wow, mm. you know, Gosh, only I could nostrils just, are just, they a would just bit. let me fix the mm. nostrils. No, there's just, I, nobody does that. Does not happen. No one on earth looks at your nostrils who you, you out there in the universe and thinks, I wish those nostrils were a little bit more symmetric. <laughs> you know, ni- nice guy. I'm just not sure about that nostril asymmetry. Yeah, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, you know, if that that could be better. No one else thinks that. And so when you're working on nostril asymmetry as a as a thing in rhinoplasty, it's really for the patient only. Right. But as you said, nostril attraction is, is real. And yeah. the average person can identify it. So Thank there goodness you go. we have a way to fix it. Good news. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Ravella, let's uh, let's close this favorite of yours out and uh, move on because <laughs> I know you need you need some some beauty sleep. <laughs> I got it. Well, I look forward to the next one, Dr. Calvert. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. 
Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Thank you.